because Dalton said, you know what this is? You know, you know who this is? I was like, of course I know who this is. And he goes, this is the author of Three Body Problem, mm. the book that Obama picked to be one of the best books that he has ever read in his life. I was like, mm. okay, okay. It's interesting. No, You're standing in your culture, looking at my culture, thinking oh, my culture is gloomy. I'm yeah, standing. Thinking my culture is Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith. If you like this content, please don't forget to subscribe. Today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Schur. I can't wait to start today's topic. China is holding its annual science fiction convention in Beijing's Shogong Park. Science fiction is reaching for the stars in China with new movies like Wandering Earth 2, Moon Man, and the TV series based on the book The Three-Body Problem. What is the past, present, and future of science fiction in China? What do you think, Alex? You went... We both went. We went for different parts and for different functions and purposes, and it was... A short but really rewarding and eye-opening visit for me. You know, I I went because it was the first day and it was the morning that it opened. So I, I showed up to make a video about it being there to open. But there was no, when I was there, there were no speakers. Yeah. So I was just there to like see the hall and it wasn't like full of people like it was in the evening or it's going to be on the weekend. Yeah. So what was the experience of being there in the evening when the speakers were there? Oh, okay. The evening. Okay. So I got to go because... Um, uh, my boyfriend, Dalton, who's been on the show before, was invited mm -hmm. as a guest uh, to attend the opening ceremony and to also attend the industry summit talking about sci-fi and other mm -hmm. just film and animation development in general. Um, so we got to go to the opening ceremony and we met some of the other foreign experts. And I thought it was just going to be like that. And among the foreign guests, there was one person, Dr. Marco Petiteri, who's a, a professor at the, the Xi'an Jiaotong Liverpool campus in Suzhou. And there's this other gentleman named Joel, who is actually the translator of the three-body problem from mm. Chinese to, to English. Mm. So they were both there. And I thought it was just going to be, you know, kind of a, a panel thing. And then we went to the opening ceremony and I told Dalton, I was texting Dalton because he was sitting in the, you know, the VIP seats. Mm -hmm. And when I was uh, telling him where his seat was, we walked over there and I saw the name tag that was on the little table next to the couch seat. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, my God, Dalton, you were sitting right behind Liu Cixing, mm -hmm. who's the author mm -hmm. of yeah. Wandering Earth and Three Body Problem. And I was like, this is so amazing. And then I was like, oh, that's great. And then when the other guests all entered, I realized how high level mm. this conference is and how much importance the, the government and just, you know, China in general is attaching to the development of science fiction mm -hmm. movies and literature. It was so it was hosted by the vice mayor of Beijing. Mm -hmm. And then it was announced that the, the official opening was announced by the party secretary of Beijing, which are very, very high government, you know, officials and also the very, very famous, uh, one of the first and most achieved sci-fi writers in China, Mr. Wang Jingkang, is also there. And the opening ceremony also marked the beginning of their studios in Shogang Park, which is, mm. which in itself, you saw it, Jason, itself, mm -hmm. like that place alone looks like 
a sci-fi set. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It looks yeah. so futuristic. Well, I, mean, I saw the lights in pictures for what it was going to look like at night, but I was there in the broad, like daylight, so I couldn't see it. Because Jason and I were uh, exchanging messages that day when Jason was like, oh, we're talking about work. And Jason said, oh, I'm at the science fiction conference. I was like, oh, we're actually going there. And Jason sounded like, I remember you said, oh, there's so much to look at. And then you were actually like hot from walking around because mm. we didn't see any exhibition. We didn't really see like vendors or, or uh, booths, whatever. It's in this. You have to go across the street and it's to the south just a little bit. Like you walk like two minutes. See, away. that's the thing. It, that place is is huge. It's insanely mm. big. And it, by the looks of it at night, I don't know if you saw, but at night the screens came up and the lights it all went on and it looks so it looks so cool. Mm. I was like, this is beautiful. You didn't go to the where the vendors are? I didn't even know where the the vendors were. Oh man, that's you missed so many cool things. Okay, so I I'm gonna cover Yeah, you sounded so excited. So I wanna I wanna know what I missed out on. When I went, the the stage part where you were, uh -huh. they wouldn't even let us into that part. It was all lo locked up and they were getting it ready yeah. for the speakers. Yeah. And so we were like, Oh, we missed it. And then we we're like, Oh, there it is. And there was like a whole vendor part. And there's these huge two massive warehouses with hundreds of like uh digital products inside mm -hmm. and they're like uh, 3d experiences one of the things for example i'll just give you a couple of examples yeah. summer and i were there she's mostly filming maybe she wanted to play and there's <laughs> this thing you walk up to this huge screen and you touch it and then you there's some footprints on the ground mm. she jumped off of it and then landed and it shows her how high she jumped on every planet in the solar system what? so there's a little digital character that jumps up and another Another digital and she keeps jumping higher and until until finally she's like on Pluto and she's practically jumping into the sky, you know. Wow. And, and so there were other really cool things like there was a dinosaur exhibition or you could get dressed up as Star Wars characters and take mm -hmm. selfies and pictures of yourself. Yeah. And they uh, there's a, a one warehouse that's completely devoted to, um, you know, AI interactive metaverse like experiences. There's a huge hall where the walls are made out of art, mm. but the AI is actually in real time updating the art and men and changing it and moving it it's not pre-recorded it's actually changing with the people who are in there and what? their clothes and stuff are affecting the art as they walk it's a, it was amazing oh i missed out on so much their games i mean speakers come on <laughs> <laughs> I like those things, Jason. I do enjoy hearing on all of the latest policies and development and plans on that. You know, the Jongwon Soon is the um, organization that actually hosted the science fiction convention. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that until I got there. Because I was mm. at Jongwon Soon's other campus in Haidian a couple days before. And some of the same speakers who ended up going to the science fiction convention were already mm. there because they were doing an AI plus education forum as well. Yeah, I mean, that just speaks to the level of technology that's kind of attached to this, I guess. And it's, um, yeah. I don't know if you saw, it sounds like you guys did a lot of things that are more interactive well, and more fun. There was no one there, but... so we got to play all the little games. <laughs> uh, now I'm jealous. I still have time to go check it out, actually. You got the tickets. Yeah, you could just pop back I in. I know. I have the I have the invite. We don't even have the ticket. We have like an, in, like an invitation. Ooh, I, I, but that's just for the opening ceremony. I bought the VIP ticket, which came with like a bag and some toys and stuff. Oh, yeah. So did you get the, so we're going to, let's discuss the goodies that they give out because goodies right because for the opening <laughs> ceremony we got this really nice back of freebies and in there there was a uh like a a charging like a power bank why did i get, which a, was very... I didn't get a power bank <laughs> <laughs> see there's you miss some i miss some you win some i win some we're we're cool and cool in the game but there's um all of these kind of souvenirs and little mm. uh pins that with uh 
that's the pattern of either the Shogang Park or the Zhongguanchun logo. And then, of course, there's a notebook, which is too my liking. I love notebooks, even though I never use them. I didn't get a note, but you know what I did? I got a copy of the three body problem. Okay, I want to say this here. I feel ashamed of myself for never having read the three body problem, even though I have the copies at home as well. So I think we should, uh, this should be a thing, Jason. We should both start reading the three body problem. Well, you know, I haven't read it, but I met a person who was really passionate. His name is Wade. He's a close friend of mine here in Beijing. Mm -hmm. He loved it so much that one night when he had a couple too many drinks, he just told me the entire story. No, <laughs> is that a good friend or a bad friend? <laughs> well, now I, I mean, I always wanted to know what is this thing because I'm hearing about it for years. Three body problem, yeah. three body problem, three body. So one night he just told me what it was. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, actually. Yes, but the guy, the guy was there for the opening ceremony, and we were lucky to have like run into him a couple of times. Uh, we didn't have time to go to his. Uh, forums or his talks but we did catch him outside of the hotel we're staying in and Dalton got very excited and took a photo with him and he looked Dal- <laughs> wow Dalton looked like a six-year-old kid who would like who just got their Halloween candy you know <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like I was like I don't see you smile that wide usually but hey that's wow. he's like because Dalton said you know what this is you know you know who this is I was like of course I know who this is and he goes this is the author of Three Body Problem mm-hmm. the book that Obama picked to be one of the best books that he has ever read in his life i was like hmm. okay okay now i understand it adds a little bit more for you as an american as your former president have you seen the tv show favorite not yet not yet i've seen that there is a tv show because i have a website i go to yeah and it has like all the the chinese tv shows that have come out recently yeah usually i watch the uh, you know the abc tv shows but like mm. i saw that it was there and summer kept saying watch that watch that watch that and i was like I don't want I want to watch it when it becomes like a movie. I don't want to watch a TV show like Three Body Problem is clearly going to be a blockbuster movie. Someday. Yeah, I mean, it. I've heard that there has been a lot of struggles and fights over who's going to adapt the Three Body Problem into movies. The latest IP ownership news I got was that Netflix has it and Brad Pitt's yeah and Brad Pitt's company is going wow. to, to to produce yeah Brad Pitt wants to wants to what? produce this but this was I think this was like maybe two years ago and then so I was assuming it was going to be done by a Chinese firm so the Chinese firm did the I think there was already an animation version of the three body problem which wasn't as popular and then the TV version of it was actually according to reviews and what my friends are saying it was very well done but it Came, yeah, Summer loves it. Summer it came out it. at the same time with another super popular TV, Chinese TV show. So it kind of got, you know, I think the, the, the attention was kind of, you know, evenly distributed between these two TV shows. So I haven't I haven't personally watched it, but I just feel like as a Chinese person, I feel very special about the three body problem because it's such it's like a homegrown sci fi piece of work. Mm. And it started as literature. So I want to get in on it in its original form and then I'll do you want to read the novel I'll read the novel read and the then novel. I'll go watch a TV show and then I'll go watch the movie and then I could be like the other snobs who has read Lord of the Rings or who has read Game of Thrones or Fire and Ice before it was uh, made into TV shows <laughs> and I could just be like I think no you that's no, wrong it's not true <laughs> you have to read the book before the TV show before it becomes popular oh so even more know? oh god yeah. <laughs> so I should just go straight to the TV shows. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> you know, sometimes the book book is not better than the movie. Come on. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree. But I want to be able to have a solid ground to stand on. You know, the, the musical version of Les Miserables that came out just a few years ago. I, I'm not, I read the book when I was 14, but I have to say I enjoyed the musical a lot more than I read. Enjoyed reading a 1300 page French novel. That's true. But are you talking about the uh, Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman version of the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that. Oh. Uh, I love the songs. I love the musical itself. I can't stand that movie, Jason. I'm well, you sorry. You can't stand it. I can't. Well, you know, it's just, some of us have more taste than others. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's let's talk about it. No, let's not. It's just it's personal preference. Oh yeah. The best military commander is not he who fights a hundred battles and wins every one of them. The best military strategy does not lead to the desiccation of the enemy's capital city. Decoding the art of war will help you understand why there's no art in war and how Xunzi stayed undefeatable using the science of war with fun stories and insightful breakdown of famous battles. Tune in to Decoding the Art of War on Spotify. listening to the bridge okay so you know i love science fiction i love every kind of science okay except horror if there's a horror science fiction it doesn't oh i'm with yeah. you i can't yeah, watch like, that yeah what is it event horizon for example it's like about like hell and it's science fiction no i'm sorry i'm not interested but um yeah i could go on and on and on about science fiction for days uh, but i want to talk about chinese science fiction movies yeah so this is from asian tv for you.com top 10 chinese science fiction movies so i was thinking we could go through this list and talk about them yes number one and we've talked about this before moon Man. yeah what did you think i haven't watched it yet <laughs> Oh my gosh, you haven't seen it. I saw it twice in the theater. I would love to, but you it know, was so good. I, when it came out, it was the kind of the kind of the crazy time at work and I was always mad and and you know depressed. So hey, not know, depressed, but you know you and Dalton are home one night and you're like, oh, we should watch you gotta watch Moon Man. It's hilarious. It is a I comedy watched, science fiction. It's really I know. Good. I love that comedy group and I love the 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 lead uh actor and actress. And mm. this is one of the first films that they did together after quite a long break and they're such an amazing uh partner team you know that when they get together the chemistry was amazing and then i watched a lot of behind the scenes clips of how this movie was made and you know of course the hard work that's put into it so i would absolutely love to watch it i just i just haven't in terms you know i never really think about the 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 special effects i'm not that kind of person mm. i know that's more dalton's thing <laughs> i never really noticed the special effects so i'd say that's a good sign that they're probably that's a you good know, yes great Right. If you notice them, there's probably something wrong. So yeah. I, for me, I was just more encapsulated by like the story or. Yeah, it was just it was really interesting and funny and kind of silly and, and a little stupid. But, you know, good comedy has some silliness. Exactly. And that's a perfect movie for people to just go after work to watch in theater and root and, and unwind. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to see it. OK, number two is Wandering Earth. You know, I didn't like the first one that much, mm. but Wandering Earth 2 was amazing. I loved Wandering Earth as a concept. And it's just a fact <laughs> that it was made in China. And then a lot of the time, of course, people would criticize the, the story, people criticize even the science and all of that but i was like look 
we're not a country that like our film industry didn't have a long history like Hollywood did with science fiction. You know, like Hollywood had, I don't know, like the oldest one I've seen that's called a sci-fi was probably Back to the Future. And that's what? That's 40 years ago, right? I was trying to process how you're talking about a movie made in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it before I was an idea, but no, but that's see, I watched that and that was like, that was 1985. That's almost 40 years ago and we just started yeah wandering earth one came out in 2019 hmm. there are just times like i completely agree with dalton on this people are criticizing movies like the wandering earth and hmm. including like wolf warrior they have their reasons and i hear them but i also feel like we can't compare something that we just started making like this giant this big blockbuster movies we really only started to allow it to happen or have people who are willing to make it maybe even not a decade ago and hollywood started like in the 70s or the 60s blockbuster started in the 60s well the first science fiction movie i can think of was made in germany 1928 metropolis which i've seen 10 times and it's four hours long oh wow you are a hardcore yeah, science fiction yeah, fan well actually that's not even the first science fiction fan a movie there's another one about called the earth to the moon it's like five minutes long and it's just a rock that goes and shoots, pokes yeah. a hole in the moon's face, and then it's a whole thing. Anyways, yeah. <clears throat> but the first full-length feature science fiction film, 1928, Metropolis, Germany, it was re, it was put back together because it was destroyed mm. during World War II, like most of the copies. So they had to take copies from all over the world and put it back together and now it's like uh, you know one of those classics yeah. that nerds watch either way i think i loved i loved watching both movies just because of the the emotions that are expressed in, in both and of course the for me like i noticed the visual effects as well of course the visual effects and special effects in wandering earth 2 were a lot more mature than Wondering Earth 1. Mm. And then I love mm. the acting. I'm sorry. I love the acting and I love the gigs and I know they're, you know, the gags. I know they're silly, but <laughs> it's it's fun to watch. It's big inter like galaxy traveling with jokes that I could still understand. What more can I ask for? Now, what's really interesting is uh, there are a couple of American science fiction movies that have heavy Chinese influence in terms of production mm. that I don't think a lot of people know about. So Independence Day 2 is one that's obvious yeah like where you can oh wow okay clearly some chinese there was a big chinese influence in this movie but my favorite science fiction movie of all time which probably means my favorite movie of all time is 2016's passengers which a lot of people hate jennifer lawrence and uh yeah, chris pratt i love this movie it is okay. so amazing and actually it had uh in on the production team it had wanda yeah so Wa wanda played a huge part in uh giving money to contributing yeah. uh to this movie and it is seriously absolutely amazing and i think probably wanda was involved because it's trying to learn a little bit about hollywood tricks mm. to bring those back to china incorporate them and yeah a lot of these new very high production very high value uh blockbuster science fiction movies that are now coming out here yeah there have been a lot of um involvement of chinese uh, media groups in uh like hollywood productions in recent maybe the past 10 15 years so that's a good that's a very good uh that's a very good move on them and if you watch passengers there's no political value to it all it's a it takes place like I don't know, 100 years from now in a space, 50 light years from Earth with two people who yeah. love, hate each other. <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> it's nothing to do with anything like uh, contemporary events. So I know it's just personal taste on the actors, you know, that kind of stopped me from spending time to watch that movie. But if you strongly recommend it, I will. What's wrong with the actors? I, um, you don't like Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Jennifer 
Elizabeth Lawrence. I mean, I don't know anything about her personal life. What has she done to offend you, Alex? <laughs> oh, Alex is pretty easy to offend. No, um, that's a that's a joke. It's just that her acting oh, okay. style is not very like you know. They're just people that okay. I know you are good at acting, but I just can't get you can't bring me in for some reason. Oh wow, you know what are those movies? The uh, the Catching Fire. What's it? Uh, <laughs> Hunger Games. <laughs> The Catching Hunger Fire, Games, that's Jason. Right. That's what I think. That's one of the names of them, Catching Fire. That's like part four or something. I don't remember. I had to watch yeah. all of them three times because the first time I watched it, I was like, mm. "What just happened?" It's like, <laughs> I don't get it. And then I watched it again. I was like, "Oh, okay." Still don't get. And then I watched it again. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I guess it's a generational thing." You know, yeah. I really love like fantasy and science fiction so much. I gave it my my all to try to get into it but yeah it was a challenge not because of her acting but i think the stories were like trying to be epic yeah and were just too much too fast it was like i think i watched maybe like 20 minutes of it and i was like and i love elizabeth banks i love her Mm -hmm. she's and then there's woody harrison Mm and all these these actors that i love but i just it's it's the same i felt the same um with you except for i gave up a lot earlier <laughs> instead of watching three movies sorry Jason. yeah uh mm. you know i'm still trying you know what are the sequels to the lord of the rings that's hobbit series there's three of them i watched them all once and i was like Ugh. really but i i like lotr so much i'm gonna yeah. rewatch them a couple more times to try to get see what what did it why why what what happened i only <laughs> i only watched the lord of the rings i think last year i watched all three movies i think i won go and I was so obsessed and I wish I had finished them like earlier so I could. But I'm definitely going to rewatch them uh, when we're on our flight back from Salmon. Lord of the Rings was on flight. Wow. And so I watched another I watched another one part of it. Oh, yeah. Twenty five hundred years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China before he vanished into the wild. He left behind a book of five thousand words which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. Listening to the bridge. Well, we're a little off track. We got passengers with a Chinese production value. But um, yeah. what about when Hollywood movies are trying to be representative of Chinese actors and actresses? So, for example, Star Wars Rogue One. Mm. Uh, it has uh, the gentleman who played in Ip Man. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. What's his name? Star Wars. Uh, uh, the, the guy who played Ip Man, right? Donnie Yen. That's right. Donnie Yen and another Chinese mm. famous Chinese actor. They were in the Star Wars movies with force powers and they were like supporting... Yeah, the protagonists and they were protagonists in the movie. What did you think about that? It sounds like you didn't watch it. Uh, I, oh, trust me. Here's my problem with like big sci-fi movies that are, that I watch in theaters. I don't remember what happens in those movies. It's very, <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah, there's so many Star Wars. I used to think I knew what was going on. There's so many new Star Wars yeah. movies, like cartoons and TV shows and like CGI. And now they're including video. I have no idea what's happening in that universe anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I, I didn't like. I've only 
like read about or learned about Star Wars and all of its prequels and, you know, the seven movies. I'd never watched all seven movies and I was never super well, into what's going on. So like whatever that comes after or before that's a new movie, it didn't mean as much to me as the story itself that stands alone in this movie. Well, I think I think that's a Chinese phenomenon for uh, people in America who don't know. Most Chinese people are not huge. St- I mean, Chinese from China people and like are not huge Star Wars fans. When I, I brought my wife to see Star Wars, one of the movies mm-hmm. in, in the theater and she was like that was terrible why do the guys in the big white uniforms they can't hit anything <laughs> like aren't they supposed to be trained to shoot at stuff they can't seem to hit anything this doesn't make any sense yeah and it was like yeah i mean yeah. there's still there's still a lot of star wars fans but they're not as first off is not you know the proportion of people who know and love star wars are is not nearly as big as it is in the u.s uh, there's probably yeah. it's mostly like people my age who uh learned about it or watched it um and because they were on you know this online back then it's called bbs you know yeah. forums and then they read about it and then become a fan so there's still like events what's his name christian haydenson i know a lot of chinese ladies were like wow he's so handsome who's christian haydenson the guy who played uh anakin skywalker and never mind never mind i watched it yeah. with some chinese <laughs> ladies and they were the only reason they watched it with me and my friends uh-huh. is because they were watching for the guy who plays anakin skywalker because he's this super tall handsome uh, dude okay i mean i the first time i watched star wars i was like there's no one that's handsome but it's okay i like wookie i like uh, well, you know what's uh, interesting is even though, you know, China typically has a limited amount of Western movies that come or they're in the theaters. But I noticed that mm. because I'm a huge fan of sci-fi, everything I want to see comes out in the theaters. So Dune, theaters. Mm. Arrival, theaters. Yeah. The Martian, theaters. Theater. Yes. So everything sci-fi seems to be just fine, like getting screenplay in all the major cinemas in China. Yeah, they actually do. And then the all of the Star Wars movie, when they come to China, they have huge followership. Like, a lot of people go yeah. and watch them, just because you know, it's a, it's a big blockbuster. It's a big movie that's you, coming in the theaters. You're a Dune fan, right? Yes, I loved it. Oh my god. It's <laughs> coming back. I mean, part, so, sorry. I guess I, they call it part, part two. two, but it's part one. It makes me confused. Because the original author wrote part part one, uh-huh. Dune, yeah. as three parts. And then it got put together as one. And then Denis, whatever, however you pronounce his French name. <laughs> he broke it into two pieces where it's in the middle of the second part. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to chop it into little pieces, at least cut it into the original three pieces that, you know, Frank Herbert, the writer of the original book, cut it Did into. Did you watch the original Which, Dune? original uh, i think it came out in frank hurt yeah the the old movie 1984 yeah where it's like yeah they finished the entire movie within uh two hours the entire story within two hours okay so yeah let me uh try to explain for all of you people <laughs> <laughs> so the original dune that came out in 1984 made by david yes. lynch was four hours long four hours sorry and then, and then they chopped it into different versions and they were like everyone says oh there are two versions no there's five versions of that movie and the longest one is about four and a half hours and includes a man narrating while they show sketches (laughs) for all of the scenes they didn't now i need to watch that (laughs) anyways so there's that's actually not the first dune there was a french gentleman in the 1970s who tried to make dune uh-huh. they wrote all of the scripts they hired actors they created sets and then they shut it down and so there's actually an earlier version of dune from this french 
director who mm-hmm. almost produced it and it was going to be something like out of this world oh. then you have frank herbert then the sci-fi channel made dune again <laughs> yes and now you have this most the recent most recent iteration of dune and i was thinking about it the other day and this is not the last iteration of dune in 20 years or whatever they're gonna have to make it again yeah they probably have to there's just too much to cover in what was what, what happened in that book to just it needs to be made like Frank Herbert envisioned it. Part the the first book, Dune, needs to be made into three pieces the uh-huh. way that Frank Herbert intended it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I'm we're way way off topic, but yes, sci-fi in China very popular, and I have a theory about why. Okay, China is uh, China produces the most uh, peer reviewed research papers, original science of any country in the world right mm. now. A lot of people don't know that they would assume it's like the United States or EU or something. Right. It's not. It's China. China also gets the most citations. Mm. China also uh, produces the most amount of pat- new patent technology. Yeah. Science fiction, in my opinion, is a way to inspire young people mm. to become interested in science. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what the Chinese government is trying to do. They're trying to be like, hey, everyone, let's all like sci-fi because they're trying to get 10-year-olds interested yes. in careers in science. What do you, you think? You are absolutely on point with this because this is one of the most important things that they talked about hmm. um, at the opening ceremony and then just throughout the whole, uh, you know, all of these swarms and stuff. Um, they first off really acknowledge the the importance of kind of getting people in general to be interested in science through science fiction movies and literature um, and whatever other medium there is, including like short TV series, mini TV series and, um, and comics and stuff. So they are trying to push, you know, via holding this, uh, uh, hosting this giant uh, sci-fi conference that's very industry focused, they also really try to push all kinds of uh, science education on campuses or just in general to 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 kids, to teenagers so that they could be more interested. And then in this way, it becomes a, you know, like a good cycle of things. Young kids are going to be more interested in science and then they want people to be more imaginative when it comes to science and how science could be and what our life would be under the influence of the advancement of science and technology and so that they could produce more amazing science fiction works and then that will in return inspire more people to be interested and want to know more about science. What were some of the other ideas that some of the speakers were talking about? I'm imagining because Dalton spoke, it's pertaining to visual effects technology. So what they were asking question mark Dalton was mostly about the differences between the US film industry in general and animation because a lot of sci-fi work is also um it has a lot to do with animation or it is done in animation, right? Mm. Um and then the difference uh between Hollywood basically and China now that he's worked in in both and what Dalton pointed out was that um it's actually quite amazing because the US industry has been very very highly standardized Mm. Every single department of the production has a solid team behind it, basically. And then they have enough time and capital Mm -hmm. to support a very long, extended pre-production process. So all of the Pixar movies, whether they are about family or or, or whether they're sci-fi or whatever, the pre-production takes at least three, four years just for everybody to figure out the script, at least two years, right? Just a script. And then the the storyboard artists are going to be on it for like three years to 
just draw, and then it goes into production, and production alone will take about two years. So every film is taking about six years to be made. And then he said, but if you look at China, because of the stage of film development China is in and where the market is, you don't have as as many、uh, people or like professional people that are just working、mm-hmm. like a screw on a machine. So each department doesn't have as many like workers that could just support and not think about anything else. And then usually the production cycles of Chinese movies are around like three years or four years, even for some of these、hmm. big sci-fi movies. So for China to be able to push out movies at this rate, at this quality, he said, I think in the very near future that we can see China's probably like if you don't basically he's saying if you don't see the potential of、uh, of the sci-fi market in China, you're missing out on. on Great opportunities!、Mm, wow. So takes three to four years, and well, you know, I was I watched a movie. It's called Air. It's about shoes. It's about Nike or something. I can't remember. Yeah, Nike. And what, one of the things that caught me、oh. or really stuck with me was they go down to the basement to visit the guy who designs the shoes. You saw this? Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Uh, Dalton talked about the whole movie to me. Oh、so. wow. <laughs> okay. So I don't so have they, to watch it anymore. Yeah, you know, actually, I, I didn't think it was that good. But anyways,、oh. they go to visit the shoe, the guy who makes shoes,、mm. and he 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 looks at them and he said he says, "Do you ever think about shoes?" And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we we do. And he says, all I ever do is think about shoes. And like, I、wow. really like this this line by this actor and this character. Oh man, because I think you're ta- you know what you're talking about is special. You're talking about p- three years of people drawing pictures. Yeah, you know, on paper and in the computer, re- reimagining ca- the same character's hat, for example, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, to create the perfect. Hat for like Woody or something, right? And、yeah. toys. So I mean, they have literally years to look at his shoes, <laughs> look at his pants, and the way、yeah. that he moves, and like how does his hips jiggle and all that stuff. Oh my god! It's important as moviegoers that we're drawn in through. Past the special effects, so that we don't see them anymore. That it seems so natural that we can become enraptured by the actual storytelling that's going on, and so、yeah. and I think a lot of the specialty work that goes into making a science fiction film, whether it be in the United States or China or elsewhere,、mm. is really about making your part of the movie so well, no one even notices it.、Anymore. Yeah, and then you know Dalton talks about his、uh, working experience on、uh, Shrek Two when they did the song to the Ricky. Martin, yeah. <laughs> what do you call that?、Uh, it's not called Viva la Vida. Something like that. And then he's like, he had to draw the da- the dancing scene to that song for four、wow. months. He's like, I never want to hear that song ever <laughs> again in my life. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh yeah. You're listening to the bridge. So okay, I don't know about books、yeah. in China. So I got this from、mm. booksandbao.com. Great works of Chinese science fiction, and it has five groundbreaking Chinese science fiction books, all of which I don't know about. <laughs> so maybe you do. Maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe you don't. Our, our listeners, we could all, all of us, you and and、uh, Alex and I, we can all go check these out.、Mm. This is called Invisible Planets by Ken Liu. Mm. So it is a beautiful exploratory and enormous book of Chinese science fiction stories by a long list of phenomenal authors. So I guess it's a collection. Yeah. Wow. So、uh, have you heard of this? I'm、um, not really. 
You know, you know, it's <laughs> it maybe this is something we need to check out. Next Definitely. one, Broken Stars, also by edit, Ken Liu. Also by Ken Liu. Wow, maybe this website's run by Ken. Liu. Edited, <laughs> edited, it says edited and translated by Ken Liu. It's so. a collection of other stories, so it's like Invisible Planets. So I guess this is a, we should get these Broken Stars and Invisible Planets. I guess it's a collection. We could read a ton of Chinese science, Chinese science fiction right yep. away. So for those of you at home, you can find Broken Stars and Invisible, Invisible Planets Planet. by Ken Liu. Mm. Go to you know. Amazon, wherever. And of course, three body problem. Yeah. 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 I noticed when we got there, Summer kept saying, oh, my gosh, the author of three body problems is going to be here, Jason. We came at the wrong time. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to see a speaker. <laughs> oh, but you, you might want to see him. And he's so. Hey, look, it says translated by Ken Leo. Maybe you met him. You said you met the guy who translated no, it. No, right? it was a, it's probably a different, different version that was translated. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, yeah, it's definitely Ken Leo's website. Okay. A Vagabonds by Hao Jingfang. Not sure what this was, but we could still check it out. It's set in a future some 300 years from now as Mars mm. has been colonized and humanity yeah. is now two groups, Terrans and Mars. Sure, this sounds like it could be turned into a movie as well. That sounds good. I'd, I'd read that. And that's, that's, uh, that's another thing. I think there's probably going to be more Chinese uh, sci-fi literature that's going to be turned into movies. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, in the future. I mean, they need a, obviously a stream of new content to because they're building the movie making side of this in China. Mm. So they're going to need tons of Chinese science fiction writers to fill the need because you don't just read a script and say, OK, you'd have to read dozens of them. Yeah. So we're going to need, you know, dozens and dozens of science fiction writers. So if you're listening to this and you're living in China and you're like, what should I do? Writing science fiction might be for you. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of uh, science fiction uh, novels, short stories or, or, or books, uh, competition all over the world that you could participate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's how Stephen King got into it. Right. Know? See? Yeah. He started entering competitions and he was like 11 years old. He, he apparently he kept a, a huge box full of where they said no. Mm. And those were his like prizes for like all the times he said no. And eventually he accumulated a huge box of yes. And so he sort of made made his way by through rejection to becoming a great That's author a great path but i don't know if we can start our path as early as 11 we missed the mark by 20 years already Jason. well if he was successful by the time he was in his 20s if i start now that means i just have to be like 60 when i'm finally really successful <laughs> we just count from this point forward yeah this is my, i'm 11 now alex like i'm a late bloomer <laughs> okay so this is from the economist and there's a paywall, so I was only able to get two paragraphs. So, economists, if you want to, <laughs> we use your article. <laughs> I downloaded I, I was able to copy and paste through the little haze where I'm not supposed to. So, you need to work mm. on that. China's grand <laughs> gloomy sci-fi is gl going global. What do they mean by gloomy, Alex? I, I don't know. I don't know what I mean by gloomy. I don't think it's gloomy at all. Oh, I think it is. You think so? You know, okay, I, I, you've been raised in Chinese culture. So, here's the difference for people who are listening okay. that I notice. I could be wrong. And if, if you disagree agree with me please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com and tell us all the reasons why jason is wrong so i grew up in america and watching american movies and you know what all unless you're watching a quentin tarantino movie yeah it has a happy ending almost guaranteed the end of every movie is a happy ending and you know what i noticed watching chinese movies and i'm not talking about just uh, science fiction but just uh, chinese movies very sad what? endings 
Yeah, there's a lot of movies where suddenly the main character like gets cancer and dies and everyone's sad and then credits roll. And I'm like, what the heck happened? <laughs> I don't understand. I f- oh, my God. I felt so different. I felt like the word gloomy and dark. Like I only associate those words with most Hollywood movies. It's, really? Yeah, especially the new movies that become really popular late in the past 10 years. Like everything, hmm. every movie is about like this kind of ism, that kind of label, this kind of attack, that kind of... Uh, the, ugliness of human nature and it's all like Hmm. problems with no solutions that are presented in very beautiful cinematic language but i was like why would i want to watch this like what's the what's the point you know it's interesting you're standing in your culture looking at my culture thinking my culture is gloomy i'm standing my culture yeah yeah this let me tell you a story and this is the story of like half of all of the chinese movies i've ever seen okay boy meets girl in middle school Okay, girl meets boy, right? They go to college together. She or he move very far away and they meet later in life when one of them's already married. Mm. They wish they could be together, but it's too late. The end. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's that's gloomy. It should if you you're gonna be have a love story at the end, the people in love should end up together. Oh, I mean love stories are just sad because cause that's that's real life. But <laughs> I just, no, wait, wait, what's that? Pride and prejudice, Mr. Darcy, and I forget her name. Uh, they end up together. Most love stories here end up together as well. It's just the one that you watched with your favorite actress. <laughs> but if you think about her other movies, okay, the movies where he she was a chef, mm-hmm. she ended up with the most beautiful man and ever lived in, in in Asia or the entire mm. planet. That really handsome actor, and she ended up with him. So that's a happy, very happy ending. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to talk about these science fiction movies that we are talking about because I don't want to ruin them for people who have seen them. Well, but. Moonman has kind of like a not perfectly happy ending. But that's okay, right? Because we still laugh through the movie. I want to walk out of the movie thinking, <laughs> yeah, everything was set right. You know, like that, you know, I guess. I, I felt know. that. Maybe that doesn't happen. I felt that after watching Bad. Wondering Earth 2. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I think it's a cliffhanger, right? You know, everything. Yeah, but still. Like they conquered the problem that they set out to solve. Yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah, the yeah. beginning, they of the did. Movie. But their new problem was arising, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course, because they have to. They have to make one during three, four, five. I guess definitely part three. I don't know how many they're going to make after that, but there's. Based on the ending, there has to be a sequel. And I thought I thought Wandering Earth was really good. I felt the the rain scenes were trying to hook up the internet were a little too long. I agree. That's the only thing in the movie where I was like, it's just based on our current knowledge with like 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 electricity and water don't really get along with each other. <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, you bring take it a little farther away from reality, and then I'll be okay with it. Yeah, you got to go to this presentation. What's 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 coming in the next five years? Not what movies are coming but mm. what, what kind of moves are being made mm. to create an enhancing bettering of chinese science fiction yeah. so the we so i went to the industry summit where they talked about everything science fiction from how it's made what is being made what it's what are the challenges it's facing and including the the, the development plan of course um and I think the biggest takeaway from that is, A, you know that there's going to be a lot of support of uh, science fiction related content development, just policy wise. And also mm-hmm. there's the um, the government itself is going to because the government has already uh, founded different centers or committees mm-hmm. to help with researches and just collecting data using very scientific method to help everybody understand the market and the industry itself. And for the past couple of years, of course, 
with these big sci-fi movies being made, a lot of work was put into content development, you know, from the producing side of it. So mm-hmm. going forward, mm-hmm. because these movies have had such great success, including all of a lot of the literature uh, receiving so much more attention and readership, the government is going to now also focus on or try to understand the consumer side of science fiction. So the government's trying to nurture the market, not just pushing out content without understanding fully what the market wants. So mm-hmm. they actually, the Government Center for Science Fiction Study actually did a, a survey with Tencent um, and they try to understand how people are spending their money, what kind of content they like to consume and what's their, you know, uh, just media content consumption habits are so with these with this kind of data and knowledge they will feed back into the production of any science fiction related uh, content on different platform and different media so that it could boost each other as we go forward and also there's also a talk that i was really really interested in about science fiction uh copyright intellectual property protection Mm. and the fact that you know, even though there are these big uh, head movies that are leading, that are getting all the attention, science fiction in general is still not the biggest genre in the media and entertainment industry. And you can see that from the keywords that you search. If you search for like, you know, IP related cases or legal legal documents, you will probably get like 900,000 results that are returned. And then among all of those, there's only like a couple hundred that's science fiction related. So this they invited this uh, mm. a professor who's also a very, very good IP lawyer who spoke on how science fiction writers even without like before you even think about turning your work into film or before media companies start to develop adapted movies, you should already think about IP production because good IP protection is the sign of how mature this industry really is. So there's still a long way to go on that front. And then they were also really talking about, I love this term, it's called imagination expense. So like the, basically they want people to have, get into this habit of really spending money on, on imaginative stuff like sci-fi movies and, and books and everything. And very mm-hmm. interestingly, Jason, they said that last year, even though with COVID and other factors, basically spending was small overall, smaller um, overall, but it was the first year that digital reading surpassed print books for sci-fi readers. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I knew you were going to hate that, <laughs> but you can't deny, you can't deny there are more people consuming sci-fi content on technology devices. That kind of fits the theme, even though I can't, I can't, I still need a physical book, but there are so many more people that are reading sci-fi works on their phone and tablets oh this is a tragedy you know you say on technology but i consider a book a piece of technology you know it's <laughs> it's a, a far superior piece of technology if there's an, a power out guess what book's still there i can still <laughs> <laughs> oh that is actually a very philosophical also, uh flip, discussion you, know, you your brain memorizes where something looks on a page so if you're like mm. oh that guy who said that thing, I want to see it again, right? You know, it's on in the, about this part of the book. Mm. It's on the left side, about two thirds of the way up. And you kind of even kind of 
know how the shape of the paragraph around it looks. Mm. So you can find it very quickly. But if you have some Kindly thing, you know, good luck with that. Yeah, but <laughs> I know it's but it's, I actually got tempted because I was uh, talking to my writer friends the other day and he was showing me something on his Kindle. And I was like, oh, it's so tiny to carry around. And you da 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 da. And I was like, oh, I that's part of the I was problem. Like, I should get a, a Kindle. Then I was like, I have a Kindle. I said, Wait, the problem with Kindle, there needs to be a bigger Kindle. <laughs> but you have small books, Jason. I know, but it's not the same. It feels less. I'm not maybe I'm just not good at it yet or something, because I always just say, oh, this is frustrating. and put it down. Yeah. But like I would like it to be like big, like a la- size of a laptop size. So I could really uh, read it. You know what Kindle's easily. missing for me is that the sense of achievement. If I'm a third into the book, then I can feel how thick that a third of the book is. Mm. With Kindle, it's like a number mm. on the right, upper right corner. Mm. And I don't feel I don't like that. I also just find it moves back and forward without me telling it to do so sometimes. And that's very frustrating because my book isn't just going to like jump to another page. <laughs> like yeah. if, if I'm holding the book right, it will just stay there. You know, OK. Anyways, <laughs> enough about how why books are vastly superior to other forms of uh, reading technology. Yeah. <laughs> listening to the bridge it was really interesting i want to talk about books for a second um i set out recently with a couple of friends to really think about how many bookstores there are in beijing because when i got here there was like four or five that i knew about Mm. including bookworm and, and 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 whatnot but they're actually what seems like a thousand bookstores in beijing there's a lot of bookstores they're they're all over the place, hidden, really small ones. Sometimes they're like bookstore slash map stores or bookstores yeah. slash toy stores or bookstore slash cafes. And there are a lot of bookstores that are inaccessible to me because they don't sell any English books. They're just like all Chinese or whatever, or they're Buddhist bookstores mm. or they're Taoist <laughs> bookstores. Yeah, there's just and. My producer and I, we were like, okay, let's go and explore all the bookstores of Beijing. And very quickly, we realized there's not, that's not going to happen. It's just too many to exhaust. There's just way too many because I tried to do all the museums of Beijing yeah. at the time, got to about 50 of them. And I was like, no, there's, there's 50 more at least. Yeah. It's too much. I quit. <laughs> Did you ever go to page one? Page one. Yes. Yes. Which one are you talking about? The one in Tianmen? Uh, I've been to the Tianmen one and I love, I love going to the Sanitun one just to walk around. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Sanitun one years ago. That's where I get the moleskin books for my ah, personal yes. i like a, a bendy note yes me too yeah i don't like a hard, hard yeah hard cover yeah. hard shell that's the great thing about moleskin that all these other companies that keep trying to copy moleskin keep making books that look and are colored like moleskin but are not moleskin flexible <laughs> yeah so if you want to make a fake moleskin great i'll buy it if it's cheaper but <laughs> it needs to be flexible like a moleskin mm, i love those notebooks even though they're a little bit pricey but mm-hmm. still i'll pay for it because it makes me feel good i'm not a math person but i actually prefer the ones with the anyways we're way off topic again the grids <laughs> Let's get back to science and science fiction in China. 
and not just about books and technology and where to read yeah. it. Well, I imagine there are other forms of science fiction in China that I am not personally into, but that are growing. So like comic books, for example. Yes. Yeah. So manga books, manga yeah. style books or comic books that are more accessible to, I guess, seven, eight, nine year olds, 10 year olds, 11 year olds, unless you're Kevin Smith. Oh, and adults. Adults love manga. Yeah. Kevin Smith loves manga. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so what about like superheroes? That's kind of science fiction, right? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yes. Right. I agree. I was going to say American superhero movies are still very popular in China. Mm. With both Black Panthers came out. I can't think of a single movie that didn't come out that was made by in the Marvel Universe that didn't come out in theaters. So I, I think all of those movies are super popular, but they're not real science fiction in the way that Star Wars is not real. Sci it's like fantasy, you know, it still resembles some. I think the definition does of, of fantasy and sci fi, whatever, you know, I think what sets them apart is whether it's uh based on the same mm. physics, like law of physics and chemistry or whatever. For example, if it's uh, like, for example, even Avatar looks the way it is, it's still a sci-fi because it's all about, mm. it's mostly on the science that they, we could imagine or that we could like theoretically get to that point. Right. But yeah. then like Lord of the Rings is of course just There's fantasy. There's magic powers you know, and stuff. It defies, it defies basic laws of, of... You know, but the thing about Marvel always comes with comes up with some sort of science-y way of making magic seem possible. Like... Uh, when they create an alternative version of AI. So what's his name? I can't help you. <laughs> Iron Man created the AI Jarvis and then Jarvis becomes a real person. Uh -huh. That seems like magic. And he uses a magic gemstone. Yeah. But then they try to explain that the physics of the universe include these magic gemstones from before the universe was made. So then they're making claims about the structure of the scientific universe mm. that are completely fantastical and not based in reality. Mm. So they're essentially making up new rules of physics mm. and inserting them into the universe as reality. So mm. they're not just like, she can move stuff with her mind because mm. she's awesome, but she can move stuff with her mind because she once touched this magic or this gemstone that is part of a law of physics that we are trying, you know, so they invent these really, you know, cavernous laws of physics that aren't real. Yeah. And then they insert them as real. So it's kind of like science fiction that's based in fan it's like they're blurring the line between the two yeah i mean it's just kind of when we look at sci-fi movies it didn't feel this real or it didn't feel like it becomes reality this fast until very recently right only if you feel the same way jason like if we when we watch uh star wars like we still don't know the life mm -hmm. what it would really be like to travel to outer space on a spaceship with like you know lightsabers and all of these things have you heard the term hard science fiction? uh i guess so, so my friend niall who's obsessed with this term only likes hard science fiction so he likes movies like gravity mm. because he says gravity even though it may get some things wrong, is trying to be yeah. as close to real science as it's actually possible. Yeah. So Sandra Bullock is trapped in the space station. Yeah. Starts Stuff starts blowing apart. She has to escape to try to land back yeah. on Earth. There's no magic powers. There's no... Fan. All of the things that happen in that movie, the director, the producer, the, the everyone who's making this film are trying to make it as accurate to the way that the laws mm. of physics that we understand now 
operate in reality. So some people only like that kind of like maybe the Martian is sort of like that, too. It's maybe it's it's pushing it. It's a little out there, but it's trying to be this hard science fiction where science and reality are closer together. Yeah, so Interstellar, in his mind, does that count as a hard sci-fi or soft sci-fi? There's a famous scientist who watched that movie and commented on it while he was watching it. And he says that most of the things in there are pretty accurate to the way uh, that physics understands things, mm. except the thing at the end with the fifth dimensional yeah. being able to see it thing. That, that's maybe going a little too far. I see. I see. Well, I hope that we could come up with uh, movies like that, because the great thing about Interstellar for me and uh, Gravity is that at the end of the day, it still brings everything back to humanity. It's still about how humans would uh, you know, approach a problem, what they are willing to uh, sacrifice and what, what mm-hmm. they're willing to do. Um, and it's the same for Wandering Earth as well. The scene, I don't know if you remember, when all the uh, the soldiers that are over the age of 50 uh, volunteered to go up and stopped. I yeah. I cried. I don't care how other people say, oh, that's too much, whatever. Oh, gosh, I, I cried, cried too, like a baby. Alex. Oh, my God. I, Summer cried. Dalton cried. She doesn't cry. Summer doesn't cry. <laughs> Summer is made out of ice and rocks and things. But and she cried. Like, oh, that's like manipulation or like it's too. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you people. That scene, like it killed me. I came, and then it's it's said by the guy. I don't know if you've seen him in other because he's a he's a comedic actor. He does like comic roles roles he's a very funny actor and then he was also doing gags like jokes in the movie as well but the contrast of someone who's like that and when he says that everyone that's over the age of 50 step out of the formation i was like oh my god this is going to destroy me (laughs) and i cried so hard i'm so lucky i'm 45 (laughs) (laughs) i know dalton probably felt the same way All right. That is all the time we have. Hey, if you guys really like the show, don't forget to subscribe. And if you disagree with everything Jason said and you want to comment on how amazing Alex is, please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you anyways. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Alex. <laughs> thank you, Jason. I'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.